Happy Friday, everybody. This is more Wine and Music Podcast, the podcast where we discuss music over a glass of wine. I am your host, Harriet Westmore. Um, before we get into episode number 29 of season three, I want everybody to hit that share, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, um, and become a Patreon member. Uh, that will be behind the scenes of the actual music. I'll be talking more in depth about the tragic side of some of the artists that I will be portraying on the regular podcast episodes, but, but not necessarily on the podcast itself. So for $5, you can listen through the um, actual video of me actually talking about the different stories and different um, legends, urban legends, urban tales, and the truth about what happened to some of the tragic stories of a lot of the um, artists. And for $10 upon the video itself, you'll also have access to 10% discount on the Moore online mall. And that's my last name, M-O-O-R-E, where you can get 10% discount on all the items that are available on the website. So join us on Patreon and get all the cool stuff that are available to you. All right. Episode 29, season three, we're in the early rock and roll stages, and we are talking this week about Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. We all know who Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers were. And for the sake of the podcast, I am not going to go into the specifics about Frankie Lyman himself. That will be saved behind the music on, on the Patreon page. I'm just going to focus on them as a group. So before they became Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, they were called the Earth Angels, the Coupe de Villes, the Ermines, and the Premiers. And the members were as follows. Jimmy Merchant, Herman Santiago, Joe Negroni, or Negroni, probably Negroni, Negroni, which is Joe, like uh, Joe Black in English, somewhat. Sherman Garns, and then later Frankie Lyman. The group started at the Edward W. Stitt Junior High School, located in the Washington Heights area of Manhattan, New York. When Frankie joined the group, he was only like 12 or 13 years old when he met the boys. Um, they were already a group in, in and of themselves. And the story goes how they met was that Frankie was working at a grocery store. And he wanted to join in with uh, the rest of the members. And, um, you know, he obviously had a voice, a little, the little innocent, high falsetto voice. And, um, you know, so he was able to join the group. You know, um, they, you know, pretty much at that time, I think they were the premiers. They didn't, um, prior to um, the other names that I mentioned before, Frankie wasn't a part of that. But, you know, after the final name change, before they became Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, they were the premiers. And that's when Frankie had joined the group at that time. And, you know, as most boys did, most little teenage boys, 
did in that era. They would practice songs on the street corners and they would go over each other's houses and, you know, hone in their um, harmonized crap, you know, just emulating what the songs that were already out on the radio. So they would try to, you know, sing exactly like their favorite artists that were already playing on the radio. And eventually, all the practicing and all the singing on the, you know, on out in the stoop, if you're in New York, or on the street corners, it paid off because they were discovered by Richie Barrett, who was at the time the lead singer for the Valentines. In 1956, the song, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, originally came from a love letter that a lot of the neighborhood people would give the boys to use, to hopefully use as some kind, you know, as an inspiration for lyrics of, the, of songs that they wanted to um, write and record. So, in my um, research, I saw that it wasn't originally Why Do Foods Fall in Love. It was um, Why Do Birds Sing So Gay, something like that. So, but that didn't sound right with um, Richie Barrett. So, with Richie Barrett um, seeing the potential for these boys, he introduced them to someone he knew who was the owner of the Rama and G records. His name was George Goldner. And so the actual song, Why Do Birds um, Sing So Gay, was actually written by Herman Santiago. And I think Jimmy Merchant had a hand in it and actually Frankie himself. But it was actually Herman Santiago who was supposed to see the, sing the least of, of the song. But the day of the audition with um, George Goldner, Herman um, became sick. He had the flu. And so Frankie was asked to step in and sing Herman's part. And as we all know, that came history. They didn't like the, the title of the Why Do Birds sing so gay so they rewrote some lyrics um, and changed the title to Why Do Fools Fall in Love and then from here out it became you know Frankie's song The Singing Lee again he was only like 13 years old at that time and once that song was recorded well that was it that was the song that took off and you know, again, you know, like I said, they were asked to perform everywhere. And because of the song itself, if you listen to it, it has a it does have a crossover feel to it. Not only did it make it in the R&B charts, it crossed over into the pop as well. Which was, you know, a great market at that time. And that's something that you had to do in order to kind of, you know, really become, you know, a, a artist. You really had to create songs that both please appease both, you know, not just a certain type of market, but, you know, to cross over into mainstream America, period. And 
incidentally, as what most managers do, they didn't like the name, the premieres. And since, you know, Frankie was so cute and he just had that, you know, that boyish voice and that high falsetto, they wanted to really focus on him. So they renamed the the group Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Of course, as we all know, when you put a certain member out more in the front forefront, it kind of create a um, dissension within inside the group. And that, you know, basically what happened, not only, you know, there was some resentment there, you know, because of Frankie and, you know, obviously I'm thinking the other boys in their minds, you know, he's just a kid. How he, how is he getting more of the attention and, you know, he's the youngest one in the group. But again, it's all about marketing. And Frankie, you know, had the look. He was a look like this charming little boy um, with a nice, very good high falsetto pre-adolescent voice that was just marketable. And so, you know, on a business standpoint, why not? You know, it'll benefit the group in and of itself. So, you know, why not, you know, use that to your advantage? As you can imagine, with all the fame and and the popularity, they were asked to perform on the different TV shows that were out at that time. Shows like um, the Ed Sullivan Show, the American Bandstand. And then in 1957, while they were performing on um, the Alan Freed, um, which was called the the Big Beat Show. This is where a little incident had occurred. Obviously, you know, the boys were performing and, I, you know, as most innocent, I mean, this is just, you know, you get into the, 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 the music and the groove and everything. Well, Frankie did something that was at that time, he crossed the line. We're talking about the 50s. It's still, I don't care if you were a entertainer a star or not, especially if you are a black entertainer. There's just certain things you don't do. It was still very much segregated. It was very, very much racist. Um, and he crossed the line. Still a kid, didn't understand, you know, didn't realize what he had done. While performing, he um, started dancing with a white girl. Well, you know, to most, you know, to the audience and to the to the TV show managers and execs and everything. And I mean, that that's like the end of the world. So that caused a little scandal that he started dancing with a white girl. You know, that that means that that's the beginning of the end. So the show was pulled off the air. 
Um, they did not. Um, it did not uh, show that particular show on TV, and you know it, it caused a, a, a scandal. But they, the the group itself, they 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 recovered from that. But I mean, but still, you know. Um, like I say, he, he was a teenager, probably getting excited. He's dancing and, you know, everybody's having a good time. They're performing. He did something where was not allowed to do at that time. So, you know, and of course it was a big deal. Well, they went on to um, record, besides Why Do Fools Fall In Love, they recorded... Um, Three more, um, I'm sorry, five more songs that actually kept was stayed in the top ten Billboard charts, which was um, "I Want to Be Your Girl," "Who Can Explain," and the ABCs of Love. In addition to performing music, and you know, they also did cameo appearances in uh, movies. One in particular is uh, "I Am Not a Juvenile Delinquent." So, I mean, they the boys were very popular. I mean, and, and they created the what we call the doo wop style, and um, they 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 were like American, you know, teenage sweethearts, you know, clean cut boys, um, nothing, you know, raunchy or anything about them. They were just you singing about you know teenage stuff, and and the kids in the audience loved it. They loved it. The the young people, the young, the teenagers of that time, they, they loved them. But, you know, in beginning of, 19, this was in between 1956, 1957, going into 1958, uh, people started to get into Frankie's ear. And People that I mean, when I say people, I'm talking about, you know, producers and recording um, producers. And keep in mind, he was only like by this time, maybe like 14, 15 years old, still a teenager, still naive, very naive and still a kid. But they, you know, because he was bringing in the money, so to speak, he was the voice of the uh, of the group. People started getting into his ear that they wanted to um, have him go solo. So eventually he did. He left the group um, in 1957. And now, you know, and that was pretty much the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of uh, the end for both. Frankie Lyman himself and the teenagers. Um, it was apparent that one couldn't do without the other. Um, when he left, obviously, I'm sure there was a lot of hurt and a lot of, um, it wasn't a good, you know, they didn't leave on good terms with, you know, his band, his uh, group, the rest of the boys, because he just pretty much, they just, Pretty much, he just pretty much left thinking he was going to do better on his own. And as always, you know, there's always somebody in his ear 
young ear. And, you know, they're just doing it as a he's a commodity to these producers. So it wasn't obviously in his best interest. So he left and tried to pursue a solo career, which really didn't pan out. I mean, at that point, like I said, both the teenagers, they tried to go on and he was replaced by a um, Bill Lombrano, who was the group's only first and only white member because the group themselves, they were two um, black Americans. They were black and two. I'm sorry, there were three blacks and I think it was two um, Puerto Rican um races in in the group. So, you know, very, you know, persons of color. There were no white um, members in the group until Bill Lombrano. And, you know, even with him becoming, you know, a part of the group, I mean, the teenagers themselves, they didn't really record anything that was nearly as uh, popular as um, their songs when they were you know, with Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. And on the flip side, Frankie didn't really do that well either. So it pretty much, you know, kind of came to a screeching halt. They had a very, very short career. Um, it, it was a wild ride while it lasted. So, I mean, you were talking about from 1954 to 1957, about three years, probably a little less than that. They, but they made their mark in that in those short time, and the UK they just absolutely loved them. And I, I you know, besides you know American um, billboards, they actually became number one over in the UK as well. But, it, you know, it goes to show, you know, sometimes <laughs> going solo is or splitting up too soon. Just sometimes it just does not, it does not work. It does not work. And they were obvious that one couldn't do without the other. So that's, that's the story of Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. They made so much such a mark because obviously they were a major influence for groups, young groups to come later on, you know, in the future, like obviously the Jackson five, the beach boys, Frankie Valley and the four seasons among others, their doo-wop five harmony style has been, and always will be, the uh, influence of uh, American music. <clears throat> so there you have it, you guys. Like I said, I will talk about Frankie. You know, there's all there. There are you know plenty of stories out there, um, plenty of good YouTube um, videos about uh, Frankie Lyman and his, you know, and his tragic uh, life. Um, to be so young and to die so soon. So I, I, again, I will probably talk about him personally in the Patreon on the Patreon page, but there we go. 
Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. You know, short-lived group, but very impactful in the early 50s and in the music genre. And they will never be forgotten. So, again, don't forget to hit the subscribe and hit follow. Um, listen to uh, all the any other history uh, groups that I had per- portrayed from the past sec- uh, two seasons. And please become a Patreon member. You know, I think being, you know, in that I'm wanting trying to be more personable and I can, you know, say my little spiel or whatever, you know, everything that I say is, is going to be just based on um, conversation. It's going to be based on just my personal op- observation and my opinion. Everybody has an opinion. I would love to hear other people's feedback and their opinion on on the things that I talk about and if they have any um, more information or fact that they can contribute, I would definitely love to hear that because I'm a, not only am I a musician, but I'm also, I love the history of music and I love the his you know, talk about the history of some of the artists who created a lot of these music, this, the music that we, you know, have listened to back in the day to up to now. And they um there are some very talented people that have created and made the path for a lot of these musicians now. And you can still hear a lot of their influences in today's music. Maybe not as much, <laughs> but in, in a lot of, you know, different genres, you can still hear the influence of our early musicians and artists. So join me on Patreon. Um, Next week, I'm going to be talking about the platters. Those are, that's another group, you know, we know, but we don't talk about, I don't really hear anything about them anymore. But they were definitely part of a group that was, you know, should be mentioned in part of the 50s genre. I mean, there's so many of them. But uh, so next week, we're going to talk about the platters. And then um, Patreon, I'm going to go in depth about. We're still in the blues um, phase. We're still in the blues. So I think I'm going to talk about. Sonny Boy Williamson, number one, who was, um, if anybody, if you don't know who Sonny Boy Williamson, number one, was, uh, I suggest you go back to some of the podcasts, go to episode number one, and um, I'm sorry, go back to season one of the blues genre of, of the podcast, and you'll know the story behind him. But I want to really talk about, which probably won't be long, about actually what happened to him and possibly kind of why it happened. I mean, was it just a freak accident or was it a setup when he was um, murdered in Chicago? All right, so we're going to talk about Sonny Boy Williamson number one in the Patreon page. All right, you guys be safe. Happy holidays to you, and I'll talk to you next week.
ください。